0: Tom Webster is joining Sounds Profitable. What does it all mean? That's what we're talking about today on Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied with me, Arielle Nissenblad.
1: And me, Tom Webster.
0: Advertisers and podcasters find the perfect ad placement at Libsyn's AdvertiseCast Marketplace. Enjoy huge inventory and full service. Get started at AdvertiseCast.com.
1: And special thanks to our sponsors for making Sounds Profitable possible. Check them out by going to soundsprofitable.com clicking on their logos in the articles.
0: Hey, listener, welcome to the show. As you know, usually on Sounds Profitable, Ad Tech Applied, Brian interviews someone in the audio space, and then I come on in and set up that interview and then break it down afterwards. Today, that is not the case. I'm sitting down with Tom Webster, audio guy extraordinaire. How do you like that, Tom?
1: I'm kind of digging it. Anything extraordinaire (laughs) sounds like a, a pastry of some kind.
0: Tom just announced earlier this month that he's going to be joining Sounds Profitable as partner. We'll discuss the why, the how, the what to expect and I'll throw in some more fun things. So, let's get to it. Welcome, Tom. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Very excited to chat with you. I just tweeted about it as you know I love Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're you're good at the Twitter. I've I've always said very good tweeter, <laughs> among many other things.
0: Oh. Well, In your Sounds Profitable article called I Hear Things About the Future of Audio, which readers can also listen to as a podcast in the Sounds Profitable narrated articles feed, you laid out your entry into the podcast world. You told us how you got started in the early 2000s. You've always been a fan of radio. But after all these years, can you point to why you're drawn to audio above all other media? What is so special about it for you?
1: So it's, it really stems back from when I was a kid. I, I grew up in Northern Maine and it was pretty remote. We, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, entertainment options. This was, this was before Netflix, if you can believe that. <laughs> and uh, you know, what I could get on, on, you know, the right night, if the, the clouds and the atmosphere were right, uh, I could listen to some AM talk stations from Boston, which, you know, where I grew up was like seven or eight hours South of me. Um, and so at night I would just, I would put a radio, a little like transistor radio under my pillow and listen to Larry King talk show at at, overnight and things like that. Back when Larry King did the work, um, and other kind of talk things. So I, I just always grew up having this, uh, great affinity for spoken word audio, especially.
0: Did you watch TV as a kid?
1: I did. You know, we got, uh, where I grew up, we got like three channels and two of them were Canadian. So I, I grew up on, Canadian TV, which which warped me some, but I, I think in a very polite way.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about why I love the podcast space. And my working theory now is I consume knowledge better through my ears. And if that had been more available to me as a kid, I think I would have had more confidence as a learner. Whereas I think Growing up, it was very focused on the visual. So now I'm such a huge advocate for if, if this works for you if, if you want to take in information through your ears, whether it's whether it's instructional or entertainment, go for it.
1: Yeah, and it, there's also really the the kind of companion aspect to it, you know not not that I was a lonely child, but I, I was an only child and there was certainly <laughs> something kind of soothing about listening to talk radio at night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we can read a lot about Tom Webster and your thoughts on audio and the future of the industry all over the Internet through I Hear Things, through Edison Research's presentations. But what is something in your life that informs the way you approach your profession?
1: Well, I there's a sort of motto that I think my wife, Tamsin, came up with for me, you know, it's a proverb, really. The second mouse gets the cheese, and I'm a very much a second mouse person. I, I would I would rather be a little bit more deliberate and thoughtful. Uh, I am in my my regular life, and I'm exactly the same way in my in my public life. So I, you know, I try not to do spicy hot takes. I, I try to to think about things, and you know, if I write something that might be a, a little strident, I'll I'll put it under the pillow overnight and see how I feel about it in the morning, and and that's that's just a philosophy for me.
0: Wow. That's really yeah I definitely get the sense that you're a measured person and I think a lot of people could benefit including me from taking a more measured approach to spending the night thinking about it do I really need to reply this way or can I just maybe shut up Never <laughs> um, shut I up. want <laughs> Where do you think that comes from for you is that is that your canadian sensibilities you're close to canadian sensibilities
1: <laughs> Well some of it I think is ingrained in me from 18 years at, at Edison Research I mean that that's I'm not sure that I I'm probably the least measured person at Edison Research, you know, <laughs> compared to some of my former colleagues there. I, I fly off the handle <laughs> compared to some of them. But Edison has always had this motto that they would rather be last and right than first. And uh, that's a philosophy that I, I can see over the span of my career has paid off very well. And it's one I'll, I'll take with me into the next phase.
0: Where does your love for breaking down data come from? I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but you're, you don't consider yourself a math person per se.
1: No, I have a, a bachelor's and a master's in literature. Uh, I did go back and get an MBA. And, and you know that's where I studied statistics. But I've never, ever wanted to be the kind of person who said, well, I'm not good with numbers. I'm not a numbers person. So I, I've I've made myself a numbers person. But to me, Numbers on a page without context, without insight, and especially without a story, they're just funny looking letters so uh, i've I've really worked hard over my career to try and balance the you know I know this is a bit of a myth, but the left and right sides of my brain,
0: yeah, uh that's something that I'm definitely working on is I think I was told as a kid you're not good at math, you know you have to focus on verbal and and stories and whatever not math is, but I think that's a load of BS and I think that we can all learn what we want to learn. And um, I think good data storytellers help us break down all that information and help us synthesize that. So what was your guiding principle when you started breaking down data? How did you decide that you were going to make this digestible for folks?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I start going through a report, I'll get all of the raw data and I'll get everything kind of, you know, graphed out like every single thing graphed out in in a, a particular report. And you know, there's sort of, you know, three principles really when I'm looking through data like that. Uh, number one, does the graph tell a very clear, simple, and unmistakable story, right? Would any two people looking at that graph come to the same conclusion? So that that's a, a high priority. Number two, does it suit the story? Does it fit a narrative? And if it doesn't, then it gets cut. It just gets cut. It may get sent as an appendix to a client. It may be part of a, an addendum, or whatever. But it's not. It's not part of the story. And then another thing I really fixate on are kind of transitions. And if you can't come up with a brilliant transition from you know one data point to another, one slide to another, then those two don't belong together. And you kind of go back to the drawing board. So I'm very focused on the story uh, because that's how for people who you know mistakenly or not assume that they're not good with numbers that's how the insights are going to be transferred and that's what's going to give them the feeling that they got their money's worth that that a survey was actionable for them that research actually drove some positive action. Right. So I, I'm, I'm very, very focused on data storytelling.
0: So let's give an example. You spoke at Podcast Movement Evolutions in March. And I the data point that sticks out to me was that between 2021 and 2022, I believe it was, listening went down. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's a really good example of how it's definitely in my DNA and and in the DNA of the company I'm leaving. And I I will, you know, if it's not in the DNA of Sounds Profitable, it sure as heck will be now that you don't just throw a data point out there, especially one that's going to be challenging to people, unless you've done the work. And there was a
0: gasp in the room when that happened. Definitely.
1: (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. So I knew I couldn't just put that out there and say, oh, and things went down and now on to smart speakers. Now, that, that <laughs> wasn't going to fly. So, you know, I went back with the Edison team and we corroborated that with the share of ear research that Edison does with the Edison podcast metrics research that they do. And you know, we found all kinds of telltale signs that just that pointed to a segment of the population, a segment of the population returning to workplaces Returning to school, returning to taking their kids to school, uh, and so a, a segment of kind of casual listening to, to podcasting really got carved out as people as people got busy. And and once all of those data points were corroborated, uh, then the the gears fell into place on that story, and it just makes a ton of sense. And and having reported that, now I'm getting email from lots and lots of people who are saying, "Yeah, we're seeing that in our data too. We we see that mm. too." Just nobody wanted to say it.
0: Yeah, so you presented a slide, you presented a data point that might've been shocking to some, but you made sure to not just leave it there and let us languish in fear. Instead, you you contextualized it and you said, here is why it's happening. And here is maybe not like a solution out of it, but here's why it's not that bad.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm podcasting's comfortable, warm blanket. <laughs> it's gonna be okay.
0: Okay, so one year from now, Tom, what would a successful year 1 as sounds profitable partner look like to you? What would you like to accomplish in the next 365ish days?
1: Well, I think two things really stand out at the top of my list and and Brian may have other goals and you you may have other goals. I think you know, I we are we are planning a significant quarterly research series sort of the the pillars around which a lot of what we're doing are going to be built and we intend that research to be available to all free and each study to be something that genuinely drives the entire medium forward and removes obstacles for all podcasters. So we're, we're very driven by that, uh, not to have things be proprietary or, uh, you know, devoted to a certain viewpoint. We really want to see where the data, where the data takes us on the things that are genuinely obstacles for people to grow the podcasting space. Um, and I think the other, you know, maybe two other things that, that I would like to see, uh, number one, I would like to see the podcasting space grow. And that's not just the audience, but also success. You know, Brian and I have both been able to carve out a pretty good living from just working in podcasting. And I want that for more people. So as a sort of a a follow-up to that, the third thing is, I would love a year from now to have a whole bunch of people Come back and say, you know what? I was able to make a career out of this, at least in part, thanks to Sounds Profitable. I was able to actually make some money. I was able actually to make enough to to get this thing to take this next step, uh, whatever it is. I would love to enable careers. Um, I think right now podcasting is it's very concentrated in the big networks, and I've worked for the big networks for a very long time. Uh, but I want to see the entire garden grow, and I want to see more people flourish.
0: And that's creators, indie creators, creators who are part of larger networks. Obviously, that looks different across the board. How do you see independent creators growing as the podcast space grows?
1: I think independent creators have done a a pretty good job tapping into direct support, right? Having passionate listeners who will directly support what it is that they're doing, uh, either in a subscription model or a donation model. I, I think, you know, if you're good, at what you're doing, and you can attract an audience and engage that audience, and, and and they're passionate about it. Direct support has always been has always been there for you, uh, and for some independent podcasters, sponsorships have also been there for them. You know, maybe there's a particular sponsor that just believes in what they do, and they've kind of stuck there with them. Uh, but there's also an entire universe of advertising that uh, is not really filtering into independent podcasts, and it's it's kind of stuck in the top you know top 300 or top 500 shows that don't have any advertising inventory anymore and people just don't really know how to you know to to run ads and and uh and sort of make all that work and i I think it's a combination of education and and tools uh and maybe some mindset uh but i i think you know the uh, the iab came out with an estimate that podcasting would be a a four billion dollar industry in 2024 that's not a, a a prophecy. That's not guaranteed to happen. And right. I don't think that does happen, frankly, if we don't find a way to to bring in the thousands and thousands of independent creators on the vast long tail of podcasting to participate in that economy.
0: So advertisers, brands, take a chance. Take a chance on the independent creators who have strong audiences, who might have 2,000 to 5,000 downloads per episode, maybe even smaller, but really they have engagement. And I think that's a big... Big driving force behind what might make a good ad partner. Tom, what is your and Brian's plan for this statement that I read in your article? We want creators and executives at the highest levels in podcasting to be as diverse as the incredible audience for podcasting. And we want podcasting companies and independents alike to be able to profit from their efforts in a fair marketplace. Obviously, I also want this at being part of Sounds Profitable and I want to help make it happen. But as the leader, as partner, how do you see this going forward?
1: Well, the second half uh, for podcasting companies and independents to, to both be able to profit in a fair marketplace, that's kind of what I just talked about. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of arbitrage in podcasting, a, a lot of, uh, you know, th- there's a lack of information, clarity and transparency across the board. And, and that's something that we want to break down. Uh, but I do want to highlight that first part, which is that we want creators and executives in podcasting to be as diverse as the incredible audience for podcasting. The audience for podcasting right now is at least as diverse as the U S population and actually uh, very likely going to become more diverse than the U S population as a whole. Um, and one thing that, uh, and I know you've heard us say this, Brian and I are, are a thousand percent passionate about is, is, you know, we are the last two white guys that we want out there. Um, and you know, we're, we're being asked all the time to help, uh, help events program, help get speakers and things like that. And we want to be like the last two white dudes we've had, uh, we've had a good run. Uh, <laughs> but there are so many, so many creators, uh, that are just not getting heard because people are kind of, you know, defaulting back to the same voices, the same speakers, the same faces. And I've benefited from that. And I'm fully aware of that. Uh, So that's something that we're very focused on.
0: I want to break down the pillars of Sounds Profitable that we identified that you wrote about in your article for Sounds Profitable. So we've got insightful content, industry-leading research, unmissable events, and peerless advisory services. So I know behind the scenes that it took some time to come up with the wording for those. So talk to me about some of your word choices and what really what made you word things this way? So insightful content, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I think, you know, and you're a big part of that. We have some wonderful writers at Sounds Profitable. Uh, I'm going to be folding my newsletter, I Hear Things, into Sounds Profitable. We have a great team, you know, with you and Evo, uh, Evo Tara working with us uh, behind the scenes, Kayla and, uh, you know, some amazing writers. So uh, we have a, a high bar for content, uh, you know we're not a we're not a daily news breaking news kind of site you know, we all have the opportunity to to really think about things I know I just submitted my article for you know for may twenty fourth uh eleven days early so um, had a nice chance to think about that so
0: teachers bet.
1: teachers <laughs> bet. I'm trying you know i'm new uh i'm new so um industry leading research I talked about a little bit and uh even before we get to our quarterly Uh, research series, we are going to put out a a study in June that uh, I'm really passionate about, which is called The Creators. And it's going to be really the first credible scientific breakdown of the demographics and uh, other kind of behavioral information of the people who actually make podcasts. It's not the easiest data to get. Uh, We have gotten it uh, in partnership here with Edison Mm. Research. Unmissable Events, we'll have more to say about that very, very soon. Um, But we in the spirit of what it is that we're trying to do to make podcasting better, um, we want to have uh, gatherings where people who are committed to doing that have a have a frank exchange of views and hopefully write some business with each other. So that's something that we're planning soon. Uh, and Peerless Advisory Services, I think, uh, you know, Brian has been doing this for a while. Brian is, is an absolute genius with ad tech and advertising technology and, and monetization. You know, he's so clear about breaking down the the kind of funnel and the stack for for a company. Uh, and I have a long history of audience research and, and branding and, and things like that. So we think together, um, you know, it was hard for me to be a consultant per se at Edison. I, w- I was really tied to a research project. Um, but now I think we have the opportunity to talk to everybody in the space and learn from them and, and hopefully they can learn from us as well.
0: So those are four pillars that all sound very exciting that are all going to come together for the benefit of the podcast industry. Is there anything that was on the table that you had to leave off? If there were two Tom Webster's, two Brian Barletta's, would there be a fifth pillar?
1: Uh man, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm glad there aren't two Tom Webster's. I think one of them, <laughs> one of them would be miserable for you and for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Uh, we really want to focus on, on those four for right now. Uh, if there was a fifth pillar, then I would replace Elvis Duran in the morning at C-100 and I would just be a morning show (laughs) host, but that's a thing I have never done by the way. So it's, it's a mythical pillar.
0: We should do it. We should just, uh, we should do a prank episode. That's all. Hey, are you in traffic right now? We've got the great, we've got the best song for you. (laughs) Um, so question for you. I've been thinking about this as we've been recording. Hmm. Good Data is a series that Kayla writes, and it's kind of playing with the idea that there's a lot of data out there. How do we break it down in a way that's digestible? What is bad data?
1: So I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a wishy-washy answer here. And, and actually, this is the focus of my May 24th Sounds Profitable column when it comes out. Um, there's, there's very little bad, bad data, like bad, bad dog down data. Um, it's mostly <laughs> there's no perfect data most of what's bad is how it's reported and how it's presented, right? You, you know, you could do a Twitter poll and just say, hey, you know, click on my tweet and, and you know, th- tell me what you listened to yesterday. Um, it, the, only, the only thing that would be bad about that data is if you said 54% of podcasters listened to, like, mm. no, you can't do that based on that, right? So it's, it's more in the reporting. Um, I'm convinced that I can right. find the value of, of any piece of data if it has been, transparently and clearly identified as exactly how you got it, uh, where it came from, and who you talked to. Uh, it's it's more in the in the reporting that makes data bad. So, And I think Kayla's doing a, a, a fantastic job breaking down the good data.
0: I am curious, what are you listening to right now that is knocking your socks off?
1: You know, I'm a big sports podcast listener, so I listen to a ton of, you know, Bill Simmons and Dan Lebitard and, uh, in, you know, various NBA podcasts. Uh, I listen to a music podcast called the Anjuna Deep Edition. I don't miss that. And I've been getting more into audio fiction lately. I've been listening to Ars Paradoxica, which I know has been out for a while and catching up on The White Vault. So that's, that's kind of what's on my list right now.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. That is what Tom Webster is listening to, that he hears things. Those are the things that he hears. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Cheers. Thank you.
0: Listeners, what do you think about the show? We want to hear from you. Please reach out if you have any questions or comments. We're on Twitter at News at Brian Barletta, or at Ari This and That, or at Webby2001. And if you want to send us an email, that's podcast at soundsprofitable.com.
1: The show is recorded with Squadcast.fm, the best place to record studio quality video and audio for content creators. We use Squadcast here and for every interview and for every product deep dive, and I encourage you to check it out. Go to Squadcast.fm for a free seven-day trial and let us know what you think.
0: Do you want more from Sounds Profitable? We have two more podcasts that you can explore. First up is Sounds Profitable, the narrated articles, and next, the download, our podcast about the business of podcasting. And both are available in Spanish. Find links to them in the episode description. Thank you to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode.
1: And thanks to you for listening to this episode of Sounds Profitable. AdTech Tech Applied with me, not Brian Barletta, but Tom Webster.
0: And me, Ariel Nissenblatt. Until next time.